Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where two days after the mammoth 2020 election, where we had historic turnout, we still don't know the winner. We don't know who controls the Senate. We think we know who it's going to be. We think it's going to be the Republicans control the Senate. We do know the Democrats will control the House, but with a shrunken majority, they lost seats, not gained seats. Uh, but uh, we do still not know the official victor for the White House starting January 20th, 2021. Uh, and as part of that, uh, we're going to be talking in just a few minutes with President Trump's own pollster, the man who called it right, who said that discard that 17-point lead in Wisconsin that the Washington Post gave Joe Biden, discard those national polls suggesting Donald Trump was down 5 to 10 points. Let's consider this a toss-up race. Well, John McLaughlin was right. Those media pollsters, well, they weren't even remotely wrong. They were extremely wrong. And he's here to talk about that, the state of polling, where we are in the election, what's going to happen in Arizona, Las Vegas, Wisconsin, Michigan. I think he's going to tell us we're headed to the courts. Yes, yesterday we reported that Rudy Giuliani, Pam Bondi, the former Florida Attorney General, several other legal all-stars, including Sidney Powell, who represented Mike Flynn. You all know her well from my reporting. They formed an all-star legal team for Donald Trump to go in and challenge some of the ballot practices and other things that went on in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, and Arizona and Vegas, Las Vegas. Now, what we're doing on our side of the fence uh, is last night, just the news announced uh, that we are going to create our own media review process. We're going to take a look at the four most disputed states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, where uh, folks have uh, raised our own readership, our own listenership, have raised concerns about the things they saw. And we're going to try to dig in and find out, was there any funny business or was this just a, 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 an anomaly of the uh, pandemic and a lot of early voting that went on. We're going to let you know that answer. We're going precinct by precinct in these major cities looking for any aberrant behavior, any misdeeds, any mistakes that occurred. We're also taking a look at some interesting efforts by Pennsylvania and uh, Michigan officials to change behavior, how votes would be counted, how voters would be treated, uh, and to see if there was some unequal protection. Did voters and Detroit and Philadelphia get different instructions and, and treatment than those voters in rural areas or suburban areas. Uh, we have launched a media consortium, uh, Just the News, Real America's Voice, our TV partner, the Star Newspapers, many, many others as well. And we are going to dig in and we're going to find out uh, exactly what happened in each of those places. So uh, we're going to uh, keep you up to date every day on the findings of those um uh, results. It's going to take us about 10 days to do the sort of work we want to do, but I think we're going to get unique journalism every day. We'll bring it to this show, bring it on to justthenews.com and keep you all apprised. We want to keep them honest. Maybe this election's totally legit. Maybe there's something that occurred that in these four or five states where people have agita and heartburn right now that we may uncover through a forensic analysis of the precinct counting. We're going to get to the bottom of that with our crack team of investigation election investigation hunters. All right, when we come back for the commercial break, John McLaughlin, the pollster for um, uh, Donald Trump, of course, probably his most famous client, but for many others, the Conservative Party in London, uh, the uh, former Prime Minister of Australia. Uh, John has global prestige, global clients, global respect on both sides of the political aisle. And uh, he's going to be here in just a second to break down 
what the heck just happened the last 48 hours. It's going to be worth the listen. Stick around. Hey, folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking, I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. All right, folks, welcome back from the uh, commercial break. And as promised, one of the great pollsters in America, one of the great political advisors in America, most importantly, he's the pollster and advisor right now to President Trump. John McLaughlin, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be with you, John. It's great to have you on on day two, 48 hours after the election, and we still don't know the winner. Um, why don't you give us the latest of what the Trump campaign's thinking, what your own personal thinking is about what transpired on Election Day? Well, th first of all, let me thank you for the great coverage that you, the honest coverage and the honest journalism you've given the uh, uh, the, ca the campaign during the entire campaign. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, and and you actually research the facts and check things, unlike a lot of other uh, so-called journalists <laughs> that uh, that often cite things that they could have easily called and found out it wasn't true. It wasn't true. But yeah. but now you're now you're seeing you know the mainstream media bias go into overdrive to try to manufacture the final outcome. Uh, where they're trying to uh, take away the votes of the people where they uh, the legal votes of the people where, you know, Donald Trump did very well on Election Day. Uh, we'll have a, a post-election poll up on our website later that we that we took among voters who voted early or voted on Election Day. A uh, thousand voters across the country. And uh, it really matches up with what the media found because uh, um because the president did very well driving out a vote on election day where he had 60 he had 69 million voters he had the majority of the vote in the battleground states he got uh uh you know uh two they're showing 214 electoral votes right now but i can tell you that if they they should put north carolina in that column the votes haven't changed there's enough votes in north carolina i've, I've worked for north carolina for years going right. back to Jesse Helms and Senator Faircloth and different members of Congress, et cetera. And, I, and we did polling all over North Carolina this year for uh, in the House races for GOPAC. And we did uh, uh, we did uh, Madison Cawthorn's race. Uh, the, the new yeah, the youngest youngest Congress uh, member, right? Yeah, right. And those that seventy thousand vote is not going to change. So of the of the two hundred fourteen electoral votes they're giving the president now, they ought to throw in North Carolina. And I used to work for Governor Deal uh, and went through, you know, his two statewide elections in sure, Georgia, Georgia. The years I've worked yeah. in Georgia. And uh, I've done work for Congressman Collins there before, and I've done work for uh, 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 for many Republicans over the years in Georgia. And although they count slow, 
and that's their system. They count right. slow in Georgia. Um, the the 19,000 votes for the president is going to stand up there, that margin he has right now. They've been trying to whittle away, uh, but it's going to hold. And, um, you know, the, that 16 votes ought to go in uh, for the president as well, as well as he's winning Alaska two to one. And for whatever reasons, they won't call Alaska. It's really bizarre, and, isn't it? And, and, and the only bizarre, the real bizarre part of this is, if you look at the statistics and the time element here and what's going on, the only reason you do it is because otherwise you would show the president at 248 electoral votes instead of 214. Right. And if you have Joe Biden at 253, considering they called Arizona for him and it was too early and they should have waited on that, um, you know, you now have a situation where the president and Joe Biden have you know, shared claims for, uh, you know, who won the election. And I think the media bias, we saw it in the calls on election night where, you know, they were quick to call for Biden, very slow to call for the president of Florida. And uh, I have some experience in this because I used to, for years, I worked for CBS radio, uh, making, helping to make the calls on the decision desk. And I was the Republican who balanced out the, the Democrat pollster, Jeff Guerin, was an honest liberal and jeff and i in 2000 we were doing the radio calls for cbs radio uh i remember at the three o'clock exits we were being lobbied by chris lahane to make a call and uh you know we told him is that when we looked at the when we looked at the numbers uh there was only two percent cuban voters it should have been five there were 17 percent african-american it should have been 14 13 right when you made the adjustments it was dead even it was but they were showing gore plus three yeah and unlike the tv that made a call before the panhandle closed the polls and drove people home thinking the election was over. We, we, we stayed neutral. So I know these, you know, there's, I know the process where they make the calls. And four years ago, we had to lobby uh, the, the networks to make the calls so that we could beat Hillary Clinton. And, uh, you know, rather than leaving it out till six in the morning when they could create fraud in the States where there were close balance. Right. This time around, they really delayed the calls on behalf of the president and accelerated the calls on behalf of uh, on behalf of Joe Biden. Yeah. And it was just one more extension of the media bias that we saw in the polls all year and the coverage all year. That's it. And now in the final coverage. Yeah. You, you see these are the same news organizations and pollsters that had the president 5, 10, 17 points down in states or nationally. Uh, and I, I want to, I want if you, you know, you've been in this profession a long time. You've earned, you've earned a lot of respect on both sides of the political aisle. Why do you think this election people were the media polls? Because I mean, there are other pollsters like Trafalgar, Des Moines that were right on the money, right? Uh, right. Why do you think the media polls, the polls associated with uh, news media organizations, were so skewed? And and did the did that whatever that symptom was did uh, whatever caused that symptom did that also cause for the the hair trigger on calling for Biden and not calling for Trump on election night? Oh, it was an extension of their personal partisan political bias, where they were, they were anti-Trump throughout. I earlier in the year, the president I explained this to him, and the president asked me for a memo back in June about how the the, the national media polls were skewed against him. They were under polling Republicans. And uh, I put it out, and in the in the memo, I mentioned ABC was Stephanopoulos and uh, Chuck Todd at NBC, right? And because they control the polls, they're the you know they're the editors. And unlike somebody like um, uh, 
Chris Rossard, who was uh, uh, Tim Rossard, pardon me. Right. Tim Rossard, who was Tim was a former Democrat who went into Newark's organization, got out of his way to show that he wasn't biased. Yeah. They still have had those biases, but he went out of his way. He would zing Republicans and Democrats alike on his show and in debates that he had on his show. Um, you know, he went out of his way to be a journalist. Now you're getting totally one-sided coverage, and the polls are an extension of that. Four years ago, um, Chuck Todd was talking about an electoral map and uh, an electoral lock for Hillary, and he wanted to expand how they were going to expand the map, and he was controlling those polls that NBC was doing. And now you've got, you know, he has input on these polls, and, uh, um, you know, it's a situation where there, there were underpolling Republicans in the Wall Street Journal poll sure. um, that NBC participates in. Right. Um, and uh, you saw that there, you know, some of their statewide coverage wasn't, some of their statewide polls weren't that bad, but they were really, some of them, they were just repeating the same things. Yeah. The same bad methodologies they had four years ago because it fits their narrative. Yeah. And, and there uh, was this obsession you know, with the um, exuberance of the Trump vote. And so they suppressed. The, the amount of Republicans that they interviewed, and that was their way of correcting for over-enthusiasm. But over-enthusiasm sometimes just results in more votes. And yeah. here, you know, what we did with Scott Rasmussen here is we created two models. One, the model that everyone was using, which a lower uh, thing, and then we had a different model that uh, predicted, I think, almost closely, almost identically, what Republican turnout was across the country. Uh, and I think going forward that people are going to look back at that decision, that decision to repress the amount of Republicans that you interviewed as a total. I mean, many there were some polls at 26, 27, 28 uh, percent. And we know Republicans turn out far more <laughs> than yes. that, that numbers. And so uh, there, I think that decision, that decision to repress, and they'll have their excuse, right? Their excuse is, well, we're trying to control for the over-exuberant Trump uh, voter. Uh, but uh, I don't think that's going to hold up. And I think it's going to be exposed for the biases that uh, <clears throat> that showed up on election night. Yeah, and I think that was that, all that is a rational uh, a rationale for their bias. Right. I mean, they already came in trying to get a poll uh, that would favor Joe Biden and uh, would favor the Democrats or would hurt the president. And and what was more strategic about what they were doing was they knew that because of the changes that a lot of these governors had made because they had police powers during the pandemic, a lot of the things that they were able to do that the early mail-in ballots would favor Joe Biden. Right. So they banked a lot of their vote. And what they didn't want was a good turnout for the president on election day because the president was saying, don't trust the mail, vote in person. And you could see in the last week, Republican in-person voting was surging in Texas, oh, without in Florida. Florida, yeah. Yep, and you could see it in other states where they had it. But still, we were relying on a good turnout on election day. And, and we have, uh, you know, our, our post-election poll that we'll publish later today on McLaughlinOnline.com. If you were an early voter, three to two, you voted for uh, President Trump. If I'm going to take it back. I got it back. If you were an election day voter, you voted three to two for President Trump. And 58% of the early voters had voted for Biden. So what they were trying to do was discourage election day turnout of Trump voters with really bad polls. And the president actually called me from Las Vegas one morning, he woke up and there was a Washington Post ABC poll where it had us losing Wisconsin by 17 points. And he said to me, he said, are we really losing by 17 points? And I said, no, it's really close. 
Um, I'm looking at the not just my polls, but published polls. And I'm saying the good pollsters who are doing likely voters, and I know Wisconsin because I used to work up there for Lieutenant Governor McCallum. Right, Scott McCallum, right. Et and I, so I know Wisconsin voters, and I worked there for the president last time, and I've been doing his polls uh, in Wisconsin. I said it's, it's much closer. It's a toss-up state. It's going to be very close. And what they're trying to do is discourage Trump voters from showing up on Election Day because they mm. know our vote has waited. So this is a Washington Post ABC poll yeah. saying we're they... down 17. They have no conscience. The guys who run that poll are smart people. They're PhDs. Yeah. They got advanced degrees. They they know what they're doing. And they're manufacturing poll. And see, the president, he's only run for office twice, 2016 and 2020. In Virginia, I used to have to put up with the Washington Post every two years or in odd years when they have a governor's candidate right. going back to George Allen or Jim Gilmore. They would endorse the Democrat in a big editorial, make evening news and morning news in, in Washington, D.C. and Richmond. They would, uh, uh, you know, you know, write up an article that wasn't helpful to us right. to hurt Republican candidates. And they would be in the field the same weekend doing a poll when they dominated the news coverage. Yeah, and then they, would, then they manufacture a poll that the Republican couldn't win. And I had oh. to go through this years ago. So uh, I told the president it's the same thing. There, there, there's one clear lesson that the American people will take away from this because they're so perceptive. I mean, one of the things that uh, the media elites uh, are snookered by, they actually think they have influence over the thinking of American public. And I think what we learned in this election and in the election before it in 2016 is that people are now working around the news media and they're trusting sometimes, but they're verifying often. And uh, I don't think you can come out of this election and trust another Washington Post poll uh, when you see the performance of those polls or the Quinnipiac poll or any of the ones that were so grossly um, grossly out of touch, because people knew it was a lot. How do we know people knew it was close? When we did our poll, who do you think was going to win? A majority of Americans said Donald Trump uh, in our poll. So that told you that American people were tuning out all those polls and they knew that this was going to be close and that Trump had a good chance of winning. Um, now let's get to that issue. Uh, he's down in the, in the, by ballot. the way, I do have to compliment you. Scott, Scott Rasmus is an honest person. And yeah. like you said, he was giving you alternatives about yeah. what was, we were insisting on it. If we were going to repress, if we we're going to follow the polling professions idea that there was a 30% or less Republican vote, and that was the way to control for over enthusiasm in the poll. Uh, we wanted the traditional poll and that traditional poll, I think will turn out to be right on the money when we're done. And, um, and I'm really thankful that, you know, certainly within the margin of error, I'm uh, really thankful that Scott, you know, was willing to do that for us and, and give an alternative. Most pollsters say, listen, there's only one way. If you start giving options, you're not right. Well, in the era of Trump, you got to give options because <laughs> Trump's a different phenomenon. He's a different phenomenon. Oh, oh, by the way, that last phone call I had with him, yep. when I was saying to him, we, I said to him, you have to will this election. We have to get your voters out. They're going to be discouraged by the media. And your point about the American public. People thrive for information. They're they looking do. for unbiased information, they just are. like you. You give them, uh, you you give them in your columns and in your information on your website. You they can go there for something that's unbiased, and then they can make their own judgment. Yep. What they really, what really backfired is you saw censorship this election. Oh my from gosh! Big tech companies on on individuals and on the New York Post, the oldest newspaper yeah. in the United States that's operating since Andrew Hamilton. Uh, somebody who helped write the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, yep. and they censored it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook censored, uh, 
you know, a, a pillar of democracy and free speech. Yeah. And it's and it's also a good tabloid. <laughs> but it's uh, Yeah, and great headlines. Yeah. You got to love their headlines. Yeah. I grew up in but New York. I love pre- it. Precisely because they were reporting on the same thing you were reporting yeah. on. Yep. Biden's family corruption that they knew would hurt uh, Joe Biden in the election. And uh, it was just, again, flagrant media bias. Yeah, no, you're you're so right. And um, uh, let's get to the election now. I, I want to get your sense of what you think happened when people went to bed. They were pretty certain Donald Trump had Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania in the bag. Um, they were you know, surprised by the Arizona vote call. But, you know, there was a clear pathway for the president to uh, victory, which you know seemed consistent with their experience. What happened in the overnight hours and since? How do you describe these you know pretty tectonic shifts in the vote count heading into uh, the day after? Well, uh, uh, certainly, you know they didn't want to call Florida early for us, and they uh, that would have. And and by the way, Florida has a very good, competent election system that's transparent because they were embarrassed by the two thousand election. And Governor Bush, Jeb Bush, to his credit, put in place a very transparent, uh, very high-tech reporting system. And just basically, in Florida, once you vote, they leave you alone. You know, they report, they know that you voted both parties, and they stop bothering you with phone calls. So if you send an absentee ballot, they get it. If you vote early in person, they get it. They stop sending you information. If you're still out there by election day, they, they send some more. So it actually is good for the citizens, but it's a transparent system and that works efficiently. And in spite of the fact that they had the president up three, four percent with a decisive margin bigger than he had last time, they wouldn't the, the, the networks wouldn't call it. So that so that was the first signal of media bias. And then and then later on when they called Arizona with only three quarters of the votes in based on what they did with massive polling. They didn't have exit polls. They did this massive polling ahead of, ahead of time, um, you know, based on polling and based on um, whatever they were looking at at the time. And there was plenty of reasons to think there was still time for the election day vote to be counted in Maricopa. Uh, that was the first sign that they were really going for Biden and not us, because that was the only state that we hadn't been able to say uh, we needed that state, and it went against us. So I think you saw extreme media bias at that point. And uh, then later on in the night, I mean, I was watching Wisconsin, and we were up by about 100,000 votes, but there were votes out of Milwaukee that were still, we were still waiting on. And we were also waiting for Monroe County. Monroe County hadn't reported for whatever right. reasons. Yeah, that's an but, unusual one up in now, central but, And that would be good for us because we'd won about 60% of Monroe County before, but that was holding out. But we were still up by 100,000 votes. And at that point, you could look at Milwaukee, and, and they were estimating half the votes were out in Milwaukee County. And uh, granted, we're going to lose. We'd already lost the half that was in by 60,000. So you figured we'd lose another 60,000 and we'd probably hold up with 40,000 votes. Right. Uh, but instead, at 4 o'clock or 4.45 in the morning, you're looking at the website and all of a sudden we're down. And it was like you had uh, uh, the number of voters in Milwaukee had more than doubled. And, uh, you know, it was up to uh, where you had 317,000 voters. And the more than doubling was like, there's something wrong here. Uh, and now I know they have systems in place where, and, and look, I grew up in around New York and I worked for a mayor once uh, uh, who got elected in Jersey City in a nonpartisan race who had uh, 
you know, when I told him on election day, okay, eight o'clock, the polls close, we'll bring our campaign workers. Somebody says, no, they have to stay at the polling place uh, to watch the machines because that's when the election inspectors vote for everybody who couldn't do it that day. Wow. And I was like, and he was serious. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and they were, we what had an to introduction to politics. Machines were locked. Excuse me. What an introduction to politics. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's really and, done. And, and, it's a time-honored tradition in a lot of urban machines. Sure. But now they have high-tech ability to do it. And you and I have spoken of before is they have systems where they can, you know, you have precincts now with more voters than registered voters. Yeah, that's the thing and they're zeroing in on right now. And they have where the supervisors can override that. Yep. You know, they, and, and that's what might have been happening in Milwaukee. And uh, you could have had people voting for people that didn't make it that day. Right. And and manufacturing other people and, and overriding the system. And it has to be recounted and they have to see uh, because Milwaukee and Wisconsin in general, four years ago, Wisconsin had 67% turnout. That's yep, high. That was high. It's 89% now. Yeah. 89%. Are you dubious of that number? Excuse me? Are you dubious of that number? You don't see that number in democracies where they make people go vote, like Australia. You get fined if you go vote. Right, right. I, we've never seen that number. We were saying we were estimating in the Trump campaign that that uh, Florida could be as high as eighty percent. Right. Um, and there there were other states where you see it go over seventy, eighty nine percent. We've never seen that. So I'm a big skeptic that all of a sudden, when you see votes manufactured at four forty five a.m. and we lose a hundred thousand vote lead. Uh, in Wisconsin, I want to see that recount, and I yeah. want I wanted somebody to tell me that uh, that those voters who cast their vote, I'd like to sample them. Somebody should go. Did you actually vote that day? Yeah, and, that's uh, one of the things were, we're going to do I'll with our you, review. Yep, that's our know, plan. I'll, I'll bet you they'll find people that will sign affidavits that saying they didn't vote that day, or they'll find people that, or they won't find people that. Are there. Yeah, I mean, though you can check with people. You'll go to the place, and that person won't be living at the residence that you'll see them. And yep. so there'll be phantom voters. There'll be ghost voters. I'll bet you. The uh, are you when you look at now? I want to pin you down on this. Are you convinced that the election was stolen from the president, or do you think there's still a possibility that Democrats just turned out more vote? I uh, I think they're they're in the process of stealing it. Yeah. When the when the when the so you think it's ongoing as we speak. Yeah, in Philadelphia. When the, I used to work for Frank Rizzo, who was, right. uh, uh, worked for him in his last campaign. So I know right. Philadelphia. I have lots of friends there. I have Democratic friends there. I was so uh, um, it's a it's a pretty Democratic city. The mayor is staunchly anti-Trump, and uh, uh, so they so yesterday we saw a situation where uh, the Trump campaign workers had to hold a press conference. Because they weren't allowing our yeah. people to inspect the ballots. Now, there's so news happened, on that. They just won an appeals court ruling uh, forcing um, the, uh, the the city to allow the Republican observers back in. But that's two days after they had been kicked out. And and the bad part is they did a lot of damage in that. The Republicans yeah. were late in getting there. Yep. Because you have a governor in, uh, in, in Pennsylvania where the legislatures are supposed to set the law and control the election right. process, right. not the governor. The governor is supposed to execute it. This governor had police powers during the pandemic, Governor Wolf. And what he did was he tried to change the laws to allow to dis, to get rid of signature verification. Right. So if you're going to increase mail-in ballots and get rid of signature ver verification, you're looking for fraud. Yeah. And if you are barring 
Republicans and Trump campaign workers for coming in and watching the, the count. They are they are ignoring the signature verification, and yeah. there probably is massive fraud going on. There's, where, no, there's no other explanation. Where is this election going to end up? Does it end up in the courts, in the House of uh, Representatives? Do, do, you, do you see a, an outcome other than the state, Secretary of State's declaring the winner based on the current votes? Um, no, I think it's going to end up in the courts. It's too close. And uh, I, I think uh, the president, you know, def, the president and the uh, uh, Trump voters, they definitely have standing uh, for a recount in Wisconsin. They definitely have standing to have the ballots that have so far been counted by mail uh, examined for uh, signature verification and other parts of the law. The bad part is once a ballot's accepted, it's very hard to go back and try to say it shouldn't have been accepted. But uh, but if they're accepting ballots that aren't filled out correctly, that aren't signed, right? you know, you just don't know. And uh, they should have been challenged right off the bat. You have laws and you have a system or process for this. Uh, so if, if it remains a close election, which I think it does, um, Nevada, Georgia, North Carolina, you know, North Carolina stand up. Before I know it, Georgia stand up. It should have been called for us already. Uh, but Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, the, vo- the votes are close enough that if, uh, if they don't go for President Trump, we should legally challenge them. Uh, Michigan, there was probably same kind of uh, same kind of Democratic manipulation in Detroit. Uh, but um, un- it, it's really unfortunate because while the Democrats talk about uniting the country, they're doing everything they can to keep us divided. And yeah. the media is aiding and abetting them because the vast majority of the media establishment has been biased against the president all year so so when that's you what's going on right now when we you 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 give us a grave sort of or or a, a sort of a disappointing look at, at the state of american democracy no matter how this election finishes what is the solution going forward is there a national standard that we need to come to for election voting which of course is contrary to what our founding fathers wanted they wanted every legislature to determine that what what is the solution to come out of this so that whether you're a Republican or Democrat, 20 years from now, you trust the vote that's coming out of these elections and not not going home thinking I got the election stolen from me or <laughs> I pulled off a fast one. How, how do we um, how do we fix this system? Well, it's going to take public opinion to fix it. And the problem we've got is you have a Democratic Party that uh, uh, I'm, my old friend, the, the late great Democrat pollster Pat Cadell, who worked for Jimmy Carter. Sure. He always said he always said the Democrats are the crooked party and the Republicans are the stupid party. And uh, uh, that seems to be going on right now where the Democrats are being the crooks trying to beat the fools. And uh, uh, what, what happens is we have to wake up and we have to push public opinion the way the Democrats are pushing public opinion um, so that they're saying can every ballot, even if it's late, even if it's fraudulent. You know, count for dead people again. There were dead people voting in New York this year. Uh, there's people who are legal immigrants voting in New York. And so so uh, uh, what we have to do is push public opinion so that we get uh, some sort of standard that we restore integrity and faith in the system. Yep. And and to his credit, that's what former Governor Jeb Bush did in Florida. Yeah, he did. And, 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 and Governor DeSantis, to his credit, he replaced incompetent people this year so that so that no one will question Florida this year. Yeah. And and you need leadership like that where they're willing to work with Democrats and the Democrats have to be willing to work with Republicans. And the bad part is 
where you're seeing the, the potential for fraud this year is in urban machines where there's one party Democrat control, where they may not want to do that because it jeopardizes, uh, you know, their political base right now. So, yeah. so, so it's, it's going to be hard. I, I'm sorry to be pessimistic about it, but, um, you know, you wrote about the Biden family corruption. You know, I mean, if, if you got corrupt ca- candidates in a corrupt system, uh, the, the ones who are benefiting from it are, are rarely going to try to make any changes that uh, fix the system in, in a way of, you know, restoring honesty and integrity. If anything, what you saw for Nancy Pelosi in, in her HR1 two years ago was a was a election changes that would abolish voter identification. Right, right. That that would create taxpayer funding of campaigns that would that would that would benefit incumbent parties like them. Um, and you saw other changes and Democrats are pushing in pre-citizen voting where non-citizens, illegal immigrants uh, who are in the United States or even landed resident immigrants who are here illegally, but not citizens, they would give them a right to vote. So um, so the changes that the Democrats would want to make are not changes I think most Americans want to make. So we need to we need to mobilize public opinion for the long term that we get some reforms and transparency and accountability that uh, we force the Democrats into doing what Florida's done. Yeah, that's that is the key. Is is it? and I think we just have to educate the public first. I don't think most Americans know all the things you just talked about about how machine politics have come back. I mean, in the '40s and '50s, that's how the Chicago machine and the Philadelphia machine uh, ran. Um, and then in recent years, we haven't talked about political machines, but they they clearly could. If, if the evidence ultimately bears it out, they could have been the deciding factor in these big swing states. So it's a, a remarkable thing. Well, John, I want to thank you for spending so much time with us. I know how tired you are. It's been a long, long week, and I suspect you're not going to get many sleepless uh, or sleepful nights uh, in the next couple of uh, uh, days. But we want to thank you for, uh, for your, sharing your thoughts and bringing us up to speed on this amazing election. Thank you for your great journalism. And in the Thank meantime, you, uh, we're getting our second win now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get ready, ready for fight number two. Yeah, uh, yes, sir. The, the real campaign starts now. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for all that you do. And we'll, uh, we'll touch base with you in a week or so when uh, the smoke finally clears. Thank you, John. All right, folks, we're going to come back from a commercial break and wrap things up. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. 
All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. I hope you like the time we spent with John McLaughlin. Very thoughtful person, someone who's been around in politics a long time, has respect on both sides of the political aisle, clearly had the trust of uh, President Trump and was right about the national and battleground state polls, unlike so many of the media lead at the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, um, Quinnipiac. Uh, we can go through all of the bad polls that had it not not even, not slightly wrong. They were not even in the same election. Um, and uh, John McLaughlin was telling the president, don't look at those. They're suppression tools. We are going to be in the hunt. We're going to be competitive on election night. And John McLaughlin turned out to be right. Scott Rasmussen turned out to be right for us. All the others, or many of the others, not so good. In fact, way off, perhaps, is the right question to acknowledge here. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another guest. Until then, stay tuned to justinnews.com. We'll have all the latest election developments, including new lawsuits, new litigation, new revelations in the fight for the White House in 2021. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports at justthenews.com. Justinnews.com.